Last time on Home Age Conversations. I even watched Shrek. Spanky, spanky, spunky, spunky. Alex Rodriguez today. Home Age Conversation is canceled. It was a good podcast residence well last time. The Stinky Cheese Man? All right, so um, the confused transsexual. And so the Rotten Tomatoes are thrown at the stage. Man, the residents named this one a mmm, mmm, wow, (laughs) crow song. Okay, so before we even get into the contents of the song let's talk about that title real quick Um, what if we didn't (laughs) no i I just want because we should probably explain our our millennial uh collective squirming at at that title of why why are millennials so offended at everything uh Um, so the word transsexual um, to be fair, it isn't like a slur, so people don't like go totally crazy, offended by the term. It's just outdated. The, the proper yeah. PC term now is typically transgender person. Um, and so just a lot of uh, younger people, um, all the cool woke kids, as as we say, um, typically, when when you hear transsexual, which just seems like an old timey term, uh, it kind of just sounds a bit problematic. Yeah, so I think it, yeah, to use a, a term, a lot of um, people, it's a little bit problematic because. Um, being transgender isn't, like, some kind of third category, um, and also transgender is not a noun. So it's just kind of weird. It's a little bit objectifying. And and I believe the reason why they changed it in the first place was just so when, you know, you say transgender, uh, people don't confuse it for a sexuality. It's its own thing. Yeah. Whereas transsexual sounds a lot like, you know, homosexual or heterosexual but it is obviously very different yeah so that's a little bit of why we score at that so i don't uh, can, I I, d- can i ask a, a old person question yes you may sure. when did the term come out of favor it actually was not that long ago um so like at the time in 1995 or whatever it's this album <laughs> Like, transsexual was still widely used. In fact, I saw people still... I saw trans people themselves still using the term transsexual uh, to identify themselves by, like, even, like, 10 years ago on the internet. Um, I think it's definitely a product of the 2010s. It, um, I, it, or be, it fell into favor. Like, transgender fell into favor um, in the it, 2010s. Yeah, it definitely, like, I feel like, public usage definitely sort of spiked in the 2010 i mean i'm not like a linguist so i don't know 
Uh, but it, it's definitely still new. So the residents aren't like, you know, they, it's not like they put a slur in the title of the song or anything. It just, yeah, just kind it's of just outdated. Really. It's a passe it's term. term. Now the subtitle on the other hand. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, subtitle is um, Stamen and Pistolet Together Again, which... Uh, um, that one I feel is a bit more um, problematic in the sense that um, that is just it's not like a good wrong. metaphor. It's like not it's just, actually. It's just a not a good metaphor because um, that's more intersex than transgender, really. But yeah, um, I think once we go. get into the content of this one, it'll kind of makes sense as per why um, all of this just feels so ill-fitted. But to be fair, a lot of the subtitles for these tracks are just nonsense. Like, I know yeah. for the sold-out artists, it's like, black are the legs inside the white sepulchre. Oh. Narcissus okay. knows no one naked. Okay, that one makes sense. <laughs> but I also know the Weavers is like, the fool and the Deathmaker die alone. What? I almost felt like those were anagrams of something, but they're not, but they sound like it. They do. Oh, maybe they, they are. Seem, yeah, they do sound like that. They seem like they have some different meaning to them, like there's something encoded in them, but I don't know. I can't Hey, hey, we can't start theorizing like this without putting on our tinfoil hats for safety. I ran out of tinfoil. Yeah, as for the story itself, um, it's about a transgender woman who is simply sort of feeling very lost and isolated. So she turns to just crows as sort of her last sort of thing that she tries to, to connect with since she se seems so rejected by um, society and human connection. Yeah, it's, it's kind of got like a Kate Chopin kind of vibe here, um, where sort of like women are used, like birds are used as a metaphor for women, um, because the way she like talks about the crows is in this curious kind of detached way um, that le I think it leads her to wonder if um, her sense of disconnection is just her or if it's more universal like if her level of not understanding um is something specific to, to just her or if anybody else or is it just human nature yeah. yeah is it like just the nature of beings that are alive um now i'm not familiar with kate chopin okay so in the awakening this is just kind of what it reminded me of but there's a lot of talk of Basically, the lead character becomes increasingly aware of the world around her, and birds are sort of used as, like, a metaphor for how... Gotcha. Like, women are kept by husbands. Ah, gotcha. Um, and, like, there's certain kinds of birds that are desirable, and then, you know, despite being so desirable, die early, and there's some birds that become, you know, that are never quite given a, a time to be cared for, be cared about, you know, they're just sort of irrelevant because they're not 
all sparkly and shiny anymore. Um, so that's, that's just what it reminded me of. Um, and the way she, the way, um, the character in this track, the way she sort of ponders, um, and their social dynamics. Yeah. And basically what's happening in this song is that, um, it's sort of implied that prior to, uh, transitioning, she felt this sort of disconnect from humanity, this feeling of, well, confusion and just, just a, I don't even know how to explain it, other than just, uh, isolation uh, from people, from having to live life as the wrong gender and such, and uh, after transitioning, she still sort of feels that, uh, even though she she expected to, to um, have more meaning in her life, more connection after transitioning. And so at this point, she's, she's pondering the crows, who may or may not be a metaphor. So I'm getting almost animal lover vibes then. <laughs> that is... I had not thought about that, but it, it, it this is a very animal lovery track when I think about Dude. it. Dude, <laughs> oh man! Because the the crows in this song, they're obviously a metaphor, but it's not. It's not very on your head. It isn't like well, crows are very clever, and you know, it, they're just sort of a weird metaphor, much like animal lover yeah you know this sort of thing where animals are kind of elevated into the space of being human um through their behavior things like that and their internal thoughts um but i think i kind of get or i'd like to think i have my own interpretation of where they're what they're getting at with the crows here um because in the, in like the lyrics in, in the talking portions of the song, pondering, you know, how much of their lives um, are instinct and how much of them are choice, and I think she feels separate, not just from women, um, and, and she feels separated from everybody. In everything because she's kind of outside of it she can't find a way to incorporate herself into these social structures she can't see her place in them and so she just has just as much place uh, around other people as she does around birds you know which is to say none so all she can really do is observe but I don't think I mean a lot of these characters don't realize that there's a different way of going about their way of looking at the world, but I don't think the problem is necessarily, like, you know, the choices she's made in transitioning. But more so, she would have been in this position uh, regardless of whether or not she was cisgender, regardless of whether or not she had transitioned. Um, she seems isolated and detached and questioning, you know, what does it mean like, what does womanhood even entail? 
And I think it does have something to do with gender in that regard, you know, you transition or you come out or I mean, regardless of whether it's gender or sexuality, you come out and you're, you're open with this, this, this you, this, that you are. And to some extent you think now everything's going to be good all the time, but not only do you never stop coming out, but it's like you still kind of feel that loneliness because you are different than most people and you're still kind of hyper aware of the perception of others. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that goes for like being, like having to come out both with gender and sexuality. Exactly. Like, I am not, like, I, I wouldn't ever want to speak for any trans people as I am not, but as a gay woman, I can say that I still feel that feel as the, as much as coming out has been nice and liberating and opened a lot of doors for me in my future. It still kind of has that sensation of isolation and loneliness because I am different from the rest of my family, for instance, and I never know how people are going to react. Like I have my girlfriend as my lock screen and I, I went to a family gathering. And I was like, should I change it? Like, I don't know how people are going. I, and everyone was fine with it. And everybody knows, but it's still this, this kind of apprehension about interacting with others that makes you feel more isolated and closed off. Yeah, that fear doesn't. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, fear doesn't go away. I know, like, um, being a gay fellow self, um, there's also this sense that no matter how well you blend in, and no matter how accepted you are, you'll never have that experience that the people around you have. You'll never be able Normalcy, to get it. quote unquote. Yeah, and that every time you go out into the world and blend in, it's a farce. Mm-hmm. You know, and like it's some kind of lie that will eventually be revealed. And then it's the idea of like, at the same time where you're, when you blend in, you feel like you're lying. It's like when you see someone who you can, you know, you get, you're like, I know this person is like me. Alison Bechtel, I forget if, if she said it exactly in a fun home, but I know she meant that it's mentioned in the musical where it's like seeing, being in a foreign country and seeing someone from home, like somebody from your, your, your home, your country, which I thought was very poignant yeah. as she often is. And it's like, will they recognize me? So there's also, again, that feeling of loneliness within your own community, which for for all of that, I'm still glad that I came out. I'm still glad that I'm being, you know, just doing me, so to speak. But it sure didn't fix all of my problems as it might have seemed at first. Like this great liberating act of coming out didn't solve all of the issues and loneliness and sadness that one feels from. But you know what I mean? Like, I think so. What I'm saying is it comes from the gender identity in that. It's like coming out and transitioning or coming out and like being open with who you are isn't going to solve all those issues as much, well, as much as it feel like it might help a lot and it might lead to bigger and better things and it'll definitely lead to better mental health in, in a lot of cases. Well, some people it's not, you know what I, you know what I mean? yeah. I'm not going to go into nuances, but yeah, on a I think it's podcast, like that. Why it's would not we ever so- go into nuances? That's ridiculous. <laughs> But it's not, it's not so much that she's not, you know, she's quote-unquote confused about her actual identity, and that's why she's still upset. Yeah. It's that 
the journey isn't complete. A journey will never entirely. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely sort of how I interpret the song. Um, in the the trans community, there is this thing that there, there's a, sort of a common response to uh, transitioning, where um, when you start transitioning, everything's novel and new and scary um as you start doing uh more and more things uh to be your true self but um after a while the the novelty starts to wear off and overall people you know they're they're happy um but that sense of novelty was such a, a constant part in the early parts of their transition that when it starts to wear off, they, they almost feel uh, lost because they're like, well, what's, what's happening? I thought this this uh, thing was just going to solve everything. But then um, they find themselves still who who they are and not complete. Basically, a lot of people go in expecting, uh, like you said, that like coming out and everything will just solve everything. But then there's still problems ahead and they still have to to deal with a lot of issues and also a lot of people think that transitioning um will change who they are uh personality wise when it it doesn't i mean there are small changes here and there uh but it's mostly just that people can be more their true selves Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't fix any issues that they already have in terms of who like their personality transitioning is more about like the the the, the physicalness and, and bringing yourself your image to be more in line with how you are so it's like you always were uh, exactly um so transitioning doesn't change who you your personality because you always were that person like you always were like she was always she even when everyone else saw her as something else even when her body didn't necessarily quote unquote like by society standards i suppose match she and she was still she afterwards so all the issues she had beforehand carried over because she only she's changing physically maybe but all the the mental the mental turbulence the emotional turbulence that she might have felt carries over because she is still she it's a loaded track. It's a loaded, loaded this character. This is absolutely lot. Lo- loaded character. This There's song a lot is going on here. I, I want to talk more just about the the song for for a moment. Sure. This song is very compared to every other song on this album. Very abstract in how it tells its story. In that, if you did not know the song's title, you would probably never be able to to guess who the song is about if you only listen to the song and the lyrics no other context versus everyone else you could eventually guess the title basically or at least know who is singing but in this case you it's much more metaphorical and abstract in uh, her inner monologue yeah. 
also uh, her inner monologue is a lot more it, it's less stream of consciousness than some of the other characters um, although some other characters have more monologue type than um, stream of consciousness but I feel like uh, for this song the the monologue nature compared to more of a stream of consciousness compared to the other songs sort of shows how she's she's had these thoughts a lot and she's had time to sort of really think about them so she can articulate them well compared to you know yeah the others the weaver for instance yeah compared to a lot of the other characters who sort of interrupt themselves uh to create that more stream of consciousness feel um this song she, she her thoughts are very poetic and very they seem already planned out like she has just constantly pondered this oh yeah and it's like kind of like with the weaver it seems like all these thoughts are fresh but this track it seems like she knows already what she feels and thinks there's no shock just kind of like a revisiting and in the, the, the performance, uh, th- there's a lot less emotion um, in the track because she's just sort of... It, it isn't spontaneous, basically. It isn't a spontaneous thought that she has an imme- immediate emotional reaction to. It's already this sort of um, really emptiness as she puts it uh, that sort of consumed her mind um, and that's what why I feel that um, the performance also has a sort of emptiness to it and that she's almost emotionally exhausted yeah Diana Alden puts on like a great performance here um, I do want to bring up the fact that this song sounds a lot like um, the cry of a crow from Prelude to the Teds. And I I have no proof, but I like to think that maybe this song sort of grew out of that seed, if you will. That's what I thought. Like, I thought they were connected, but to me, they don't sound similar at all. No, but chronologically, they would fall in. Uh, yeah. And also, I like to think that because they played this song during Wonder of Weird... And they also played two other songs from the Teds. That maybe that was their nod, but probably not. It's probably just because this word had se- this song has sex in the title, and that's what they're going for for Wonder of Weird, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Just imagine this this podcast reaches a resident, and they're just like, "Oh crap, we did do that, huh?" <laughs> oh shucks. <laughs> they all completely oh, forgot about that. Oh, we kind of did do that, Nito. Cool. Um, but yeah, this song this song resonates, um, I think, as someone who is confused um, and or transsexual, that um, it does a good job of conveying certain moods, emotions, well. Once upon a time I played electric guitar And they said I was a rock and roll star 
Now nobody calls me on the telephone So I sit and watch my TV all alone Maybe if I put a bullet in my brain They'd remember me like Kurt Cobain And the parasites on MTV Would wipe their eyes and act like they knew me But I wouldn't be a hero, I'd be dead Just a corpse beside a note that read If you like to pretend that you'll never get old You got what it takes to rock and roll to my personal favorite, which would be the Asian musician. So to start it off, you know, of course, there's the very obvious overtone of aging is not a fun thing at all. And it only gets less and less fun and more and more excruciating as it goes on, depending on what type of person you are. And, you know, that's in the name, very vaguely, that that's going to be the theme. And then the actual song, it's very brutally in your face. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a very conventional way looking at this track. It, it's, I feel like it's almost a companion to um, the sold out artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, with it the sold is. out artist being, yeah, like with the sold out artist. I often get them confused. Yeah. Like I, when I think of, like mix them up. Yeah, I mean the sold out artist is the residents commentating, it seems, as artists. Well, the aging musician is them commentating as musicians. So I have so much to say about this track, but I don't want to jump ahead because I'm sure you do as well. The first thing I want to say, and hopefully it's not something you were going to mention, is even the introductory music of right after uh, Ginger has Ginger's theme, the kind of, you know, almost X-Files-esque whistle sounding that does the... <laughs> it has this sense of time is marching on type is moving on like here we go again and be it the fact that it's towards the end of the album where you're like you're almost feeling the listeners almost getting exhausted hearing all these people yet you just have this here we go again everybody get ready we're gonna have another story to tell you it's way as, more upbeat as... too as well as the idea of time is marching on for this music like it's just it just keeps going it just keeps going this the idea of the gingerbread album keeps going and life just keeps going and then it seems to go by faster than you would expect it to because it suddenly speeds up from this upbeat um tune to like something sort of Grim and and heavy, like it's yeah. intense, but it's musically heavy. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then, of course, there's the automatic mental denial. It's like thinking, no, I'm going to stay, say, young or middle-aged or whatever. I'm going to stay that way forever. Then as time goes on, you start to realize maybe it's not going to be forever. Well, of course. Since, since I first heard this album, first heard Aging Musician, the, it, it's a much... First of all, it's a, it's a much more pop-sounding song than any of the other ones, even though, you know, there is a formula to them. It definitely sounds much more pop music. Well, yeah, I suppose it could expand on it because it's, you know, it's an aging musician, so of course it's going to be a lot more musical. It's not going to have as much focus on the afterthoughts. It's going to have more on the singing. And the whole singing thing shows that he's still, you know, in his own little musical world. I guess, and that's him looking back on the old times when he was successful and huge, and in his stories has sang and played for millions. And, you know, it's it's kind of highlights, it's an aftermath of the moment of fame. It's not really the fame itself. He's old, he's not really playing for anybody, he's not singing for anybody but himself. And, well, his only companions are his dogs and his ever-growing collection of firearms. Does that sound like anyone we know? Hmm. <laughs> you mean like a washed up, has been, rock star? Oh, it was, uh, yeah, Robert who, Smith of The Cure. That's who it is. Oh, what, what the guns? I feel like there's just somebody, I don't know, maybe somebody that. Mm. Ned Tugin? Well, somebody that. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it was somebody who may have, like, just, like, openly spoken ill of those children who survived the Parkland shooting. You know, I feel like it would be back. some guy named Ned Tugent. I think it's Ned. Clearly Ned Tugent. But not, not Ned. To be confused with Ned Hurley. No, yeah, no, not who, Ned of CD Rock. Not Blog Ned, who found us all this cool stuff. It, no. Yeah. Ned Tugent. Gunman. Ned Tugent, um, famous. Oh, wait, no, um, Gunman's better. Yeah. <laughs> I recently just found out about uh, Ted Nugent that he is a leading member of the straight edge movement of rock and roll in which uh, no drinking, no drugs, uh, anything like that, which, you know, is, is commendable to him. But <laughs> he also says, you know, he, he admonishes drugs and alcohol and no one should do that. But he does enjoy wine every now and then. It's like, so wait a minute. Kind of sounds like a hypocrite. What? The live Continue. version of the aging musician, that guitar, that even guitar. The, even the guitar in the in the studio version, just when I heard that part, that was the moment the the album sort of. Flicks. Yeah, it was just like, oh my god, this is this is a good album. Like the gingerbread man walked into my house and broke down my door. No, oh, it just really has, slapped it has the crap that, out of me. It has that haunting wail just. Yeah. I just have to thank the universe that Kurt Cobain rhymes with brain. You know? <laughs> God. We, Stop. we could not I have mean, this yes. song without Cobain and brain rhyming. You know, going back to the whole like aftermath of, of moment and of fame and stuff. It's more of the first person at that point where it's like, now it's the stereotype of old and depressed when you're looking back at the memories of the old times, which is, you know, not too uncommon. You know, a lot of people really get depressed when they look back on really old times, even when they're young. But, like, when they look back when they're younger, and they did a lot more than they're doing now, and they just think, I kind of miss those times. People who think high school 
uh, is the best time of anybody's life. Those kinds of people. Uh, I'm just gonna come out and say it. If high school was genuinely the best days of my life, if that was genuinely the prophecy that the rest of my life had to live up to, I would have... <laughs> Do you know who says high school is the best time of your life? Who? People who peak in high school. Man, this... Oh, the irony in this track. On so many levels. Um, if I may have a moment to talk about Todd Rundgren and why it is so funny that he's doing this track. Uh, you know, Todd Rundgren had a... Had, a, had like... And still kind of has a, quite a bit of commercial success. The thing is, um, he is sort of residential in his own ways, even outside of um, what he does on this album, uh, because he's he, his work gets pretty experimental, and he does this uh, computer crap, as the aging musician calls it. <laughs> um, and so, it's kind of a one-two punch here for the residents as musicians. To be, you know, having a track here that ta that like criticizes MTV, which the residents have been on, um, and music like digital music, which this album is, you know, electronic music, um, and then to also have Todd Rundgren, who is a musician who, like the residents, refuses to let the passage of time impede his creativity and his adaptation to the world. Um, and I think that twofold irony is just delicious. You know, you mentioned that age thing too. Uh, it, the little dialogue that the aging musician, uh, you know, starts going off about. Aside from, you know, the iconic goddamn MTV, um, he does mention he's going to start another band. Or try to, at least. Yeah. So he's thinking, and... like, we can... We, I, I can still do it, but I'm just, like, 60. That's yeah, he wants to relive his glory days. Yeah, and, and, and like, and most of the time, the result is when you try to relive something like that, it doesn't exactly relive it as well as you hoped it would. I think uh, when he when he's talking about, like, oh, I could have a band again, like, I think part of that is sort of this, this cognitive dissonance. Uh, at this point in his aging career, he's just not really relevant anymore. So it's questionable whether he really could get a couple of really good players and have a band again and go on the road. Um, and he might just uh, be using that as an excuse, like, well, I just haven't found any good players yet. But really, he, he can't do that because he's been tossed aside by the music industry at this point. Yeah, and I've, um, I've uh, increasingly I'm noticing this is something that shows up in all of the stories, where these characters don't realize that it doesn't have to be this way. Um, in the aging musician story, it says like, and if he could even still evoke a false belief in those songs, maybe he could still make it on the nostalgia circuit. But it's so much easier to be bitter. Yeah. 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 It's like. Instead of, you know, taking a more route where you could be happier, it's just sit there and mope. Yeah, instead of trying to find anybody else in the world who also doesn't want to move forward and think about how everything has changed and how nothing can be the same. Um, and someone who doesn't want to be part of that computer prep music. Yeah, and to yeah me he well, doesn't want to adapt. 
there's no saying that he was ever even a competent and capable artist, you know? Just because he was able to sell records 20, 30, 40 years ago doesn't mean that he has any actual talent to the point that even if he got some good musicians together, that he would be able to create anything that people would enjoy. Yeah, because it, it when the whole entire industry itself kind of went from like, hey, we can make music to we can have skill to make music. I mean, like, to an extent. Yeah, I would actually argue the opposite. I feel like music is a lot more watered down and crappy now due to the proliferation of technology. Now that well, what, anyone can make and release music. Well, what I before, mean is like the, the advancement. It's like thinking, you know, back then playing those instruments and stuff, that was a magical thing. Yeah. And this time, it was a magical thing if you knew how to work with the technology. For it. With the computer, exactly. Yeah. I get but you. I'm, I'm, like, I'm picking up what you're putting down. There you go. Well, earlier we were talking about uh, how this song is very similar to the sold-out artist. And when we were talking about the sold-out artist, I said it was a one of the more lighthearted, humorous songs um, in this album compared to everything else. And I also think basically the other song that's pretty funny besides damn mtv yeah just his his bitterness there, there's a humor to it because i feel like it's very relatable you can picture this um this old Crotch guy me. watching fox news um I, he he watches like old like cartoons and stuff, that's true it? yeah i imagine he's watching more like uh three stooges and woody woodpecker and yeah, in the in the game, there's oh my a god, guy. I think the aging musician is my father. <laughs> Watching John Wayne films. Yeah, the, the in the um one of the pictures for the game, there's the all these like guns layered and stuff and bullets, but then underneath that, there's a bunch of little screen caps from old cartoons, and they're they're really contrasting colors because the guns and bullets and stuff are like this like really bright kind of gold glowy color. Well. The cartoons at the background are like it. Yeah, I know of... one of them has this character running from death, essentially. Um, and this idea of like the hero's triumph um, and these really like traditional ideas of success. Um, and like, because it said that those are what formed the majority of his beliefs and those beliefs formed his songs. Um, and so in this in this sense, it's like he's hoping and believing, or used to believe that he could escape death um, and escape all this horror of the world and come out on top and come out okay every time. But he can't. I like to think also that the cartoons sort of represent um, the the progression of media and how. Uh, how he's looking back on on the old rock and roll days and how he really can't make it anymore in the same way like cartoons and TV shows like Davy Crockett um, they've also evolved if th those old cartoons they are classic but compared to cartoons of today they don't really fit in they're a lot simpler back when animation was was novel and uh, before they had technology to to make really advanced cartoons, but even just media in general has got so much more complex since the quote good old days. Um, 
that those shows can't really even um, survive anymore. They, they're not relevant. Um, even, I mean, this is a, a modern day example. Like even like people say that like Seinfeld from from the the 90s isn't even it, it's so uh, basic today because a lot of modern sitcoms built off of that show and I feel like that's sort of what what the cartoons are there for um, in the game is to start, sort of ground that that looking back on the good old days and I'm not being able to stay relevant yeah and like a lack of control um, too like with the guns that kind of gives him a sense of control over everything you know he, he says the cult trooper mark three could stop about anything um and it's because he needs some sense that like he can have control because he can't control the passage of time and he can't control the fact that you know the culture doesn't need him anymore so he wants to believe that if yeah. it would come down to it he could control something um well i think the like, one thing he can control is the main thing he can control is killing himself and being remembered and if he kills himself right now he knows he'll always have people will think positively of him yeah and but he also he, recognizes that they would think positively of him in a shallow way um i think this so, guy is so far beyond he does he wants <laughs> some sort of positive memories and thoughts of him before he's literally just completely forgotten person yeah yeah and he, he's like thinking like you know like, like the most of them most of the people that look back on they're gonna be parasites anyway that just kind of act you know almost dear friends but really he didn't know them at all it's almost uh reminiscent of catcher in the rye when holden's like thinking about killing himself he's like it's very it's a very fleeting moment in the book but Holden mentions how he's like, I should just, I could just throw myself off this this building, and he's like, yeah, but then people would just like stare and be all like, you know, he says it all so many times in the book, he'll be phony, so I might as well not, because everyone's just gonna be phony about it. So what's the point? If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. it's very very and much I, like a, the care only comes when you're dead type. I think all these characters have something that they need to cling to, even if it's like a potential. Um, and the aging musician clings to this thought that maybe he'll be, like, if he were to go back out into the world, um, and, you know, get it all together, he would be welcomed with open arms, but he doesn't test it, he doesn't consider adapting, just sits around and imagines it. He, he blames... Uh, the culture rather than himself. He blames yeah, yeah. Every he blames everybody but him. Yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't like adapt to the new things. He just stays to what he used to have, and then he thinks, well, maybe you know everything around me is screwed because of it. The that uh, Simpsons thing. No, it's the children that are wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The problem isn't the world. The problem isn't the culture. Problem isn't the technology. The problem is you. The fact that you 
you refuse to change, the world's going to leave you behind. Yeah, and the, it, who better to say that than the residents, because they're always pioneers in this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like they were some of the first to pick up the whole CD-ROM thing for music. They Some of the first to pick up music video in general, that, that whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, they, they're they're very, very much authority in that whole you have to move on with music type thing. If not authorities, then at least examples. Yeah. Leading by example. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Is that it? I like how his dog is named Uzi. <laughs> he, he actually has two fox terriers, yeah. Um, I believe, yeah. Um, uh, Mauser. Mauser is like... the name of the dog. Mauser was a, a rifle manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. There was a Mauser and Uzi. Oh wait, yeah. Oh my God, he named his dogs after guns. Of course he did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my God, this loser. Buddy, doesn't say I'm sorry. Buddy, doesn't ask to be excused. Buddy, doesn't beg your pardon. I've chosen to tackle one of the strangest tracks on this album, in my opinion, which is The Butcher. And The Butcher is... What I find the most strange about it is every single uh, character that we've heard of from so far... Um, as we mentioned, kind of sings their outward thought and um, talks their inner monologue and what's going on in their head. And we have no reason to ever believe that anyone is ever telling anything but the truth. Um, no, no one would lie in their inner monologue, in theory. And The Butchers talks about coming back from the dead. And I'm choosing to take it as truth. Not as a metaphor, not as, you know. This was my interpretation as well. Like, what? That he was reincarnated because, um, I'll talk about it later, but just the way I first sort of connected with the story, uh, I sort of had that on my mind. Reincarnation. He's a zombie. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he's a zombie. I'm saying that he's lived a previous life, has memories of his previous life, and yeah. Yeah, is, is is on his is on his second at least his second go through. Um, now this could just as easily be a crazy person, but the residents write enough about crazy people. I don't feel like they need one more crazy person. But as well, it also makes it the only supernatural track on the album. I mean, to be fair, it's just the butcher speaking, and everyone is crazy in a one-man show. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> that is very true. Um, but I've found that the uh, the track is also chock full of some kind of religious imagery and symbolism. Oh, wait. Um, one of the big things with the butcher is his opening is about how somebody, Buddy is disrespecting him. Buddy didn't say he was sorry. Buddy didn't ask to be excused. Clearly, whoever his, this other person is that he's interacting with has 
slighted him in the most menial of ways, and he's taking it and turning it into a huge, you know, attack on his character. So we know this guy is just chock full of kind of resentment and anger and feels like life is already unfair to him, which kind of goes with the idea that, well, he already lived a life and he's been given another chance. And we know that when he died, he didn't see a beautiful blue light like you're supposed to see. What he saw was eels. And eels shows an image that is, sorry to all the eelologists out there, but it's gross. They're slimy, they're squirmy, they're mole, I believe you said they're poisonous. Their <laughs> blood is point. poisonous. Their blood is poisonous. And but they're cute. Why one of my, uh, my best friends, Sloan? Her, her favorite animal is eels. Is it eel? I think specifically or fish, but she loves eels. But seeing a a group of eels together, all squirming and slithering around, shapeless black mass, uh, that's typically not what you're going to want to see if you think that you are approaching the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> if you're expecting that's also not what you see when, in general with eels. Like, um, it's not... Like, the way I read this, it's not like the butcher went underwater because that's not how... Um, eels behave they're sort of very solitary creatures that hide out alone in caves or uh, underneath the sand and wait for their prey to to come by me too oh i don't believe the butcher went underwater i feel that you know as as he was you know in the afterlife approaching or where most people would be going towards the bright light what he was faced with was eels. That that was that was his, that was the universe telling him, "You've been a bad person," but for some reason or another, he's given a second chance. I, I do like to think like everyone else say like, "Hey, we're, we're getting to go to like this really nice place. It's all beautiful," and he's like, he's like got this like little smile on his face, he's like, "Yes, I'm gonna see this too," and he's hit right in the face by a bunch of eels. Exactly. And how, how much of a shock would that be? Be to, real be, to be your life. And yeah. where a lot of people would go, all right, I've been given a second chance. I've been given another opportunity. I need to go through life and be a good, better person and use my knowledge of past and previous times to live the best life I can and make sure I get to that blue light next time. Instead, he carries around with him anger, resentment, lust. He's working as a butcher. His, his job is essentially to murder animals. You know, he... Every single thing and every quality and characteristic that he is personifying is going to make sure that the next time he dies, he's going to see eels again. So is it basically kind of just hinting at like an endless loop? That's exactly how I interpret it. That yeah. unless he makes a fundamental change, he is on a loop of a loop of eels. Yeah, so it, it's basically kind of like he keeps being this angry person, you know, being resentful to basically everything. Then he dies and he's thinking, why am I seeing eels? And then he just comes back to life and he fails it again. And he feels like life's been unfair to him, that he did not get to go to the preferred afterlife. He's back on Earth doing it all over again. And who, who knows, maybe he's done this 30 times and he's just sick and tired of it at this point. I mean, there's no new knowledge gained through this whole 
ordeal, he remains the same. And I wonder if it has maybe less to do with the fact that his resentment and bitterness is so heavy that it carries throughout all of his next lives, you know, under this interpretation. But rather from the fact that, you know, the eels weren't even something anybody had told him about. And he realizes everything, absolutely everything, had been a lie. Um, mm. And that even not even the world that had betrayed him, like, if that wasn't enough, even his own resentment ends up be betraying him because, um, like, in the story, this co-worker of his named Buddy seems to be inescapable. Um, and Buddy's, like, just like the regular old annoying co-worker I think everybody has had or will have at some point in their life. Um, you know, he comes back from the dead, and one, this co-worker is still here. Two, he's more annoying than ever. And three, Butcher feels this inexplicable, like, attraction to his hands. And can't seem to figure that out. It's kind of like the Weaver, you know, having the obsession over, like, oh, the, the kids, the husband. It's like, no, this time, it's his hand. And I, I feel like the butcher is just sharing or just expressing immense envy over Buddy. He's envious of his hands. He's envious of his beautiful wife. He's envious that Buddy's got a child who's, you know, he can tie his shoes and be, be a father too. And the butcher has none of that. And instead of going, you know what? I want to earn that for myself. He just sits and stews and resents and grows more and more sinister, I guess. <laughs> yeah, time. what I think is interesting, though, also, um, in the game, uh, if you can call it that, there's these there's these images of eels that show up, and um, also images of Buddy that show up in there. And what's fascinating about those is that they're over a blue background with a, a light there. And so... I feel like it's worth noting that he's got this obsession over what's directly in front of him, over what he immediately saw, that he can't ever see the good. He can't ever he can't see, see around. the light. Yeah. Oh, he's gonna, oh you're a smart man. I, I kind of wonder, too, is like, you know how he keeps being thrown into this same cycle with this basically kind of same counterpart where it's like, like I got, I got this person that I resent because I got everything better than me. Is it supposed to, is like, you know, a buddy in this case, is he supposed to be an example of what you're supposed to become? Hmm. Kind of strive to be rather than sit there and just be bitter about everything. I've thought of Buddy as the everyman. Buddy's not exceptional. Buddy's not bad. Buddy is the everyman. But the everyman is good enough to move on. <laughs> and yep. the butcher is beneath that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is like, it's like, you know, life kind of going to like the butcher and saying, look. You see this guy that you're working with, you hate him and all, but that's probably the most optimal thing for person for you to that become. That you could be. Mm -hmm. Because you're kind of, you're get you're stooping downwards, buddy. Or not buddy. That's probably a bad thing to be calling the butcher, but you know, you're, you're kind of. <laughs> guy. You're kind of stooping, stooping downwards here, uh, uh, person. Yeah. Um, and how his obsession, I mean, the residents visit obsession as a topic so often. Yeah. Um, 
and you sort of see how his obsession consumes him and keeps him from the light and keeps him from living any kind of different life and keeps him lost um and you know the i, I think honestly his um section of the cd rom is one of the best to look at um the background is all these intense images of meat all sorts yeah, and, and of collaged and <laughs> it's pretty icky yeah like all this sucks no he 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 himself yeah. kind of looks kind of just ugh. yeah he looks very disturbed and horrified like most of the other busts look a little bit confused but the butcher seems like straight up terrified i terrified. actually kind Absolutely. of have the most sympathy for him as a character out of all of them because he's all the other characters experience a kind of metaphorical death you know kind of personal death well the butcher he dies and he comes back um which sort of spits in the face of all these other characters who even consider for a moment that death would be a solution. I mean, the butcher go, you know, he's surrounded by death. His work is the work of death, but even then he can't get out. Um, you know, his subtitle is the flesh of animals angers anew and moves. <laughs> um, and it's like, he comes back to life and suddenly cannot stop thinking about all the sorts of things that would plague somebody's mind before their death. Um, it's like he's constantly stuck. It's like he's on this cliff in between life and death. Then he climbs out of the valley of death, but he can't quite move back to life because of what he's seen. And his experience of death is what isolates him. He can't yeah. tell anyone. There's nothing to say because they haven't been there and they won't believe the lie of you know, they won't believe the truth of there being eels that obscure the blue light. Yeah. Uh, by the way, fun fact about the the bust of the butcher. You may recognize it in uh, the Icky Flicks your video. For in, your favorite uh, song, Ken. Yeah, of everybody's favorite residence song, the, Constantinople. Yeah, the, the video. Constantinople. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the video that just recently, maybe not too recently, but it reached uh, 1 million views. Yay, residents. Nice. Yay. Ooh, I've left, celebration I've left of residents. Well, I've Someone left it on repeat for the last, like, <laughs> six years, so I'm glad, glad that it finally paid off. Okay, so um, what are we... One of my favorite th last things here is um, one of the little CD-ROM quotes. It says, Eeldritch are the Argonauts that never know their neighbors. First of all, great alliteration. And then Eeldritch being a portmanteau of eel and eldritch. So it means just like ghostly and sinister eels. I don't know, which just goes along back with him being dead surrounded by eels good imagery um i also like the the other one where it's like a sunset sees necromesis uh unless it seizes me um so necromesis is not a real thing but emesis is uh, a suffix in the medical field um uh used to refer to vomiting so it's like death vomit 
Death um, vomit. Death vomit. <laughs> it sounds like a, like a really like generic '80s like grunge band. Yeah. Um. But then, you know, he's 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 regurgitating death. He is. Oh, it, like, he t- he's rejecting You know, it's in death. his Ginger's Lament song, it says he opens his mind and takes poison instead. Well, the body's natural reaction to poison is to try and get it back out. Um, and so the poison of death upon his mind, he's trying to force it outwards. Um, and sunsets, I mean, if you, you see the metaphor of a day um, used to describe life. You know, the sun is setting on him, but night never comes. He never truly gets to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seizes him. He's caught betwixt uh, the worlds of, of life and death. Um, I mean, that's just the best way I know how to how to describe it. And I think that plays into um, sort of what seems to be the residence interpretation of it. Um, and also the interpretation um, that you see when they revisit the story for... 2014? Uh, the Shadowland uh, was the last part of the Randy, Chuck, and Bob trilogy, and it went on for quite a bit. I don't quite remember what years it covered, but um, they were pretty much all over the place. Um, but in it's like a reading of the, the song, um, but his story, the Butcher's story, um... By the residents' interpretation of it, which, you know, I don't know, it's all kind of on the same level as anyone else's. Um, because with the way the character stories are put into the game, um, it's hard to say for sure, like, what is the truth and how important their original idea with it is. Um, but the way they describe it is kind of that he's overlooking the afterlife and couldn't quite make it to death and was forced to come back um and he awakes on an operating table which recalls the medical imagery um and then he goes back into his life um and it's sort of caught in the state of constantly like emotionally he's caught in the state of constantly dying um and I like the quote at the end where Butcher says, How can I love the hands of the man I hate? I just think that's poignant. But most importantly, he ends it with, I can't stop. Can't oh, stop. Oh, yeah. Can't stop. Can't stop. And he's in this loop, and he's going to keep going. And he's not stopping. By the way, the, the Shadow Story version of the song from Shadowland is... Pretty amazing. It's Pretty good. We'll have to drop a link to that in the show notes because it is incredible. Ooh, it really, I mean, I, I love you singing Residence, but the, the shadow story of of this song kind of just obliterates the original version. Um, it really highlights like the is... lyrical, like the, the storytelling ability of the residents with this track a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah, it it is, congeals it is. the mess of I have it. To say, um, I was really nervous he was going to cut himself that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you got to look where you're cutting, man. Kitchen rule number one. I, I like, I, like, I think I guess the, the reason, you know, the shadow story version is a lot more objectively better, or not objectively, but, you know, 
massively subjectively better is because it's a lot more like personal like it's it's not like you know in the context of music it's more look at the character on the screen he's actually doing like an acting thing rather than giving some random monologue so it's like so naturally it's going to have a lot more of like a powerful essence to it because you have all the atmosphere to it of the character being there rather than just having listening to it yeah which is i i I just love how the residents are willing to reinterpret their own work and look back at their discography to see um where that hidden hidden meaning kind of be found within um i think that's very important for them to do and what differentiates them so much in my uh original like interpretation of the song before i expanded stories and everything uh when i thought that when i saw it and i still kind of see it this way that he he was reincarnated um i sort of saw it as he was reincarnated as his butcher and uh he got thrown into this just dirty messy life like being a butcher is a very messy kind of gross um profession and he's just sort of stuck in this worse life than what was previous what his previous life was and oh you want to stop thinking about death how about you just go right into a profession that is this and then you die and you come right back for it all again he was expecting constantinople but he got um istanbul (laughs) yeah he got istanbul he got Istanbul. Uh, so overall opinions of the album I really once like again it. it's good it's, it's, it's very on me. it's very it's, moody it leaves a, an impact on you I will say and I mean this in the nicest way to the residents it is one that you're not going to like the first time through you're really not It you have to listen to it from start to finish understand the concept understand what the album is trying to achieve, then go back through and listen to it again. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's like watching Memento. The first time you're going to be like, what? And then the second time you go back and go, oh, okay, I guess I get it. Maybe. I think the residents sort of came upon this idea. I'll say it. They came upon it too early because it's so dark and so moody and so like broad reaching that it seems like it would go, it would fit right in like in 2006 or something, you yeah. know, if they had visited this concept then. Um, which is not to say that they did a bad job at executing it at the time that they did it. They did a fantastic job, and um, the CD-ROM only like takes it up another level. But it seems like the residents were ahead of the times and ahead of their own time. Well, I like to think of what the story is like, or like the entire story behind all of it, is um, it's kind of like, you know, you think like after you listen to it, like you read, like, hey, maybe I'll just read into it a little bit more. Maybe I'll just have a little bit of that residence humor. Maybe I'll just have like a punchline. It gets worse. It gets yeah. it gets even more depressing and more brutal. It's, it just gets darker the further down you go. But it, it's, maybe it's, one of the easiest albums to listen to on repeat. I, I just, and like, I just think, like, 
is that like the, that's like one of the only times they've actually done that where it gets worse the more you look into it because sometimes like in the future even past it'd be think like oh yeah to have like this little kind of ridiculous part of it no it, it actually it's sad on the surface and it's sad at the bottom it's just one one whole sad cake I, it's not layered just sad you know what's funny to think is the only person who comes out ahead on this is gingerbread man yeah, the gingerbread man's just snacking on all these people, um, and it's what's it's so tragic because it's like, oh god, these people have to continue being alive. Oh no, I yeah. like you start to feel bad for them, um, yeah. to the extent that one can feel bad for them because wow, they're terrible people. <laughs> yeah, isn't it fascinating that the residents are able to paint an entire character? The entire importance of a character, of a person's being, in three minutes. Oh my, yes, it's you can, insane. You can paint, they can paint an entire life and importance of someone's life, boil it down to three minutes, and that includes <laughs> instrumental music as well. Yeah, and like the way they managed to differentiate internal um, like philosophies just by what instruments they choose to use. That's wild. And, like, for example, with, like, the Weaver, they display these characters and their problems with such nuance um, that it would lead you to believe that there's, like, personal experience. But, I mean, logistically speaking, that'd be pretty difficult to after a certain point. But they have such a deep understanding. It's... Oh, people. Yeah. And of the way people work or don't work, it's insane. It's like, please list your sources. Yeah. <laughs> sources, I'm just good, baby. Yeah, I, going back to the whole, like, capturing the whole thing. In, it uh, is known. In such a little time. And to add on to that, they managed to actually capture ten of them within oh, something right. that, that was at the time. minutes. At the time, that was actually, like, half of an average album length. Yeah. They, they could have gone all out and just like made them all like 10 minutes long, but no, they, they kept it simple. Yeah. I think I think the album can best be summed up with the closing line of the album, which is, there once was a species who filled up the world with lust, love, confusion, talk, tacos, and turds. Tasteful. <laughs> it just puts. It's just that little. Oh, you guys, we find the humor. The There's the humor. That's the one piece of humor. But is it humor or is it true? <laughs> hey, by the way, do we have a, a residence comment? Hell yeah. Wait, I, I I found one on the gingerbread. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Um, my son was in a kindergarten play version of the gingerbread man. It was different than oh. this. <laughs> <laughs> on to upcoming stuff. Uh, the first show on the uh, uh, Euro Tour of 2019 is to be on the 29th of January. So if you're in Europe, some kind of weirdo, um, <laughs> I guess there's some shows you could see that aren't in America. Oi, uh, governor, I get to hear Voodoo Doll live, and you don't. <laughs> 
Uh, we apologize for that. <laughs> so, in other things coming up, the Intruder single is out from uh, Psychophon Records. What? Um, to elaborate a bit, that you're you're able to listen to it for you CD nerds now because it used to be on vinyl only. It's on like a mini CD. Never so, used it's on one of those adorable little mini CDs that we don't do anymore. Huh. Weird. Um, and a previously unreleased Residence track. It's an instrumental one. Um, called 99 Space Music will also feature on a release from Cherry Red Records known as Third Noise Principle. Uh, I hope that's correct. Problem with facts, and I think the residents do too. But that's due out sometime in January. Uh, They they said um, it's from around the early 80s, and it gets fairly nasty towards the end. Ooh, I like nasty residents music. So looking forward into the future, looking way out, ex- overextending your neck and maybe dying inflicting, the yeah, bringing out some kind of damage. Um, we have uh, supposedly a six CD mold box sometime in 2019, uh, which I am, a, I don't know. I hope my box arrives soon. I would love to get in it and tell you all about it once I'm inside. But for the meantime, Cherry Red has not been so kind as to give me a preview of what it's like to be in the mole box. So, whatever, I guess. Um, and then more from Cherry Red, there's a special vinyl-only presentation of the Eskimo album. I don't know what this is going to entail. I don't think anybody here does. But I think it's something worth keeping an eye on, because you never know. Well, I want to say thank you guys very much for for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Of course. It's been an honor to have you on. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You, you were the um, the first resident podcast. The premier residence podcast. You're the OG. The OG for Bog. Ah. The okay. best original hey, gangster. The OG. You're Boggy Smalls. <laughs> Alrighty then. Um, this was a kind of emotional episode, so thank you everyone for listening, and I hope that uh, you're looking forward to the next episode, um, which will have even more horrible British accents. Goodbye. 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 Goodb